So I wanted it to be more like a conversation between me and you because I feel like I am a fledgling scripture studier and you've been on a mission. So obviously you're like a treasure trove of knowledge. (laughs) A treasure trove of knowledge. You are. You studied the Book of Mormon for two years straight. I would not say I'm a treasure trove of knowledge. What does that mean? (laughs) It means you know a lot. Yeah, I know what it means, but like, where does that come from? What's a trove? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. Yeah, so a trove is a hidden store of valuable or delightful things. Mm. While I would agree that I'm rather delightful, I don't know that I am very valuable. Anyway, so one day I decided that things needed to change for me because I was so ornery and so tired all the time and I just was not happy and I thought, you know what, I bet it's because I like never read my scriptures except for the five verses or so that I read to Cade when he's falling asleep at night. So I got up early one morning and I had actually never done that before either. I got up before seven and I opened up my scriptures to the very first page and in it I found a little insert with a quote by President Benson and it said, there is a power in the book which will begin to flow into your lives the moment you begin a serious study of the book. You will find greater power to resist temptation You will find the power to avoid deception. You will find the power to stay on the straight and narrow path. And I thought, well, bada bing, bada boom, that's exactly what I needed. So I decided to actually get serious about studying the scriptures, and I started with 1 Nephi chapter 1 because that's what you do. But I stopped reading after a couple chapters because that's what you do when you start with 1 Nephi chapter 1, right? I'm not the only one. No, I agree. And I tend to want to do that because I kind of like going through it chronologically at times. But I do know that some of the most valuable scripture study I've had is when I more so am going to try and find something specific that can apply to me. And that's what I decided to do. I decided to pick a word for the day and just flip open the scriptures randomly and see if it applied. Because I don't know if that was like a challenge one of the prophets or general authorities gave at some point, but I had heard it before and decided to try it. Do you know where that came from? I don't. Well, it's good and it works. Let me tell you. All right, so at first I was doing a different word per day, which was great because I was finding all kinds of information. But after a while, I was like, well, how am I ever going to put into practice these words if I only give myself a day? But it was good for me to start out doing it like that because I learned that like Heavenly Father is actually directing my scripture study. Because one of my words was smile. I decided I wanted to be better at smiling because I usually just have like this ornery look on my face all the time because I'm so tired. So I flipped open my scriptures randomly and it was to Alma 56 verse 44 through 48. And I wrote in my journal, I kid you not, that just happened. I flipped right to the page where the stripling warriors were talking about their mothers. And in that page, I had glued a quote by Gordon B. Hinckley. And he said, It is mothers who set the tone of the home. It is mothers who most directly affect the lives of their children. Their influence is paramount. And that just kind of slapped me across the face because if I don't smile, then nobody else in my family is going to smile. My kids are going to be ornier and they're going to keep fighting. And so that day I tried really hard to smile more often, even if I didn't feel like smiling so much. But anyway, so I did a word a day and that didn't work out. So I did a word a week. And that worked a lot better because I was able to practice the word every day. And in my journal, I would write down, I would begin my journal entry writing down how I tried to implement the word the day before and how it went. And most often it went 
just okay. I would try, but I would fail, and I would try, and I would fail. And then I would pick a new scripture randomly, and then I would read it, and then I would write about how I was going to, about how that scripture applied to the word, and what my goals were for the day. So the word that I gave myself for this week is simple, as in simplify. And so I turned to 2 Nephi chapter 25, and in this chapter, Nephi is talking about the words of Isaiah, and he says they are not plain in verse 4, but they are plain unto all those who are filled with the Spirit. And that seems like the opposite of simple. Isaiah is like the most complicated thing ever, but if you have the Spirit of the Lord with you, then they will become clearer to you. And so I wrote my journal, hey, maybe one day I'll understand Isaiah. Sweet! And then in verse 8, he says that even though they're not plain, the words of Isaiah are of worth, and especially they shall be of great worth unto them in the last days, um, because that's when things will be coming to pass, and we'll understand the words better, because we'll be seeing them unfold right in front of our eyes. So I thought that was kind of crazy. And it makes me want to read some more of Isaiah. But in particular, verse 23 stuck out to me, um, because I've been thinking about starting this podcast, and I wanted to start this podcast so that I could pass down knowledge to my children, and to also like make scripture study less intimidating for others. And so this verse stuck out to me, because he says that we labor diligently to write to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ. And so basically, this is why I'm keeping this scripture journal and starting up this podcast so that I can persuade my kids to believe in Christ and to eventually try and persuade my fellow men and sister and sistren, brethren and sistren, to <laughs> believe in Christ also. If it's brethren and sisterin, would it be children and... So even though there have been a lot of hiccups and hurdles just trying to get myself to start scripture studying and start journaling again and start this podcast, every good thing is going to have their hurdles because Satan doesn't want you to do it, right? Yeah. It wasn't my being lazy. <laughs> of course not. I don't know. Everybody goes through that phase where they just like don't know anything and they're just like flying by the seat of their pants and just like doing what their parents told them to do like i would love if my mom would just give me all her her billions of boxes of journals and just let me pour through them but i'm sure that would be really uncomfortable for her because she is still alive and <laughs> i would probably have way too many questions that she wouldn't want to answer but i do intend on giving my children my journals at some point in the far far future and I want them to be filled with things that I am coming to know to be true. I, I think it's a great idea. I actually really love it. And I've noticed a change in you over the last year in your desire to better understand the gospel and gain a testimony. I've definitely noticed it. And I think it's helped our family. And so I am all for this. I love it. And here to support you in any way. But here's the thing. I I would say at one point I was a treasure trove. And I think a lot of people can. <laughs> Kate's still stuck on the treasure trove. <laughs> I'm going to use this a lot. <laughs> I can't get past it. Once I was a treasure trove, um, <laughs> a lot of people can relate to this, but it's easy to forget things and it's easy to get out of the habit. And while I, I felt like I really knew the scriptures well at one point, at, at this point in my life, it, I don't feel like I like I necessarily do. But one thing I've enjoyed is I've actually been reading the Book of Mormon just chronologically going through it just because I haven't done that in a long time. Did you stop at Second Nephi? I'm still going. Good job. <laughs> just because I haven't done it that way in a while and so I wanted to go through it that way and, and see how it goes because you know the first time I ever read the Book of Mormon that's how I did it and I had a really good experience anyways I think the main thing that's happened for me is that I've just felt the spirit in greater abundance in my life and it's kind of helped me remember random things that I've done in past scripture studies just kind of from having the scriptures on my mind like 
for example, today I came home and Jonah was being a huge turd all day long. He was. It was the first thing I heard when I walked in and I could tell that there was just a lot of tension and contention in the house. And I took him and I was pretty mad and I wanted to just get after him because the sound of like things he was doing was ridiculous. You know, I did get after him a little bit, but as I was doing it, the scripture came to my head and the doctrine of covenants of, you know, when you have to reprove at times with sharpness, but that you show uh, an increase in love afterwards. I don't know the exact scripture. I'm kind of paraphrasing something that, you know, that's a well-known scripture, but I hadn't read that scripture in honestly, like probably years, but it just kind of came to me and I felt like the conversation we had was much better and much less contentious and the overall was received a lot better than how it usually goes when I have to get get mad at Jonah. And so I feel like just because I've been putting more effort into scriptures and, and prayer and everything, that this stuff is kind of coming back to me and it's just helping me on a daily basis. So I've enjoyed that part. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I totally relate because before I started scripture study, like serious scripture study, I realized that I was just yelling at the kids so often. And I kept thinking of that quote by David O. McKay that he says, there should be no yelling in the home unless there is a fire. And I just couldn't get a handle on it and I couldn't stop because I would just, I had no patience. But then I started reading the scriptures and even though nothing that the kids did really changed, um, something in me changed and I was able to be a little bit more patient and not yell. Like I think the first week that I was reading the scriptures, I don't think I yelled once that whole week. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. It really works. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It really does. And it's easy to get out of the habit. And it's hard to get back in the habit when you haven't been reading your scriptures. Because we definitely get bogged down with a lot of things in life. But I know that as we've made it a priority recently, it really has helped us a lot. Yeah, and we have had to work hard to make it a priority because we've been watching Twin Peaks. And that has been sucking all of our time up. Luckily, we've finished. So now we can devote even more time to religion. You know when you watch a like a series and you've been binge watching it and you're going through it forever and when you're finally done with it, it seriously like feels like you just lost a friend. It does. Like I feel like a friend just died. It does. I've been I was depressed today. Is that the saddest thing <laughs> that you've ever heard? I was depressed. I thought about it multiple times through the day that I was sad that I didn't have any more Twin Peaks to watch. No, I get it. I went through the five stages of grieving last night, though, when I made that um, slideshow to uh, Sarah McLaughlin's <laughs> Angel <laughs> with all the Twin Peaks pictures in it. That kind of got me some closure. So I wasn't as sad today, but last night I was pretty sad. Yeah. Well, it makes me want to watch it again. I was like trying to figure out who of my friends could I be like, oh, you need to watch this show. And so I can start talking to them about it. And I was thinking like, I don't know how many of my friends would actually like this show. Well, it's just kind of weird. It's an odd show, but I loved it. It was, it was very entertaining. All right, and uh, I think that's going to be pretty much it. Although, there was one scripture that I read the other day that I thought was pretty interesting. Third Nephi 1, um, where the wicked part of the Nephites are rejoicing because they think everything Samuel said was a lie and the signs of Christ's birth would not come to pass. And I wrote in my scriptures, why do they care so much? And then as I was reading, I realized that it was because they knew, like in verse... In verses 16, 17, and 18, it says they knew the prophets were telling the truth. They knew that the Son of God was coming, and they knew that they had screwed themselves over by behaving as they did. But they were just trying to ignore everything they knew, and that's what Satan does. He convinces us to sweep things under the rug so we can continue to do evil without a guilty conscience. Because even if you don't believe something, well, if you didn't believe something, why does it bother you so much? Like, I don't believe in aliens, but, like, that doesn't mean that I spend obsessive amounts of time rejoicing that there are no aliens you know 
It doesn't bother me. I don't believe in it. So just... You don't? No. I do. Aliens? <laughs> yeah, I spend a lot of time rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> rejoicing that there's no aliens? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you know, like, if you don't believe in something, then just shut up. Go away. Just shut up and go away. But the thing is, they did believe. Deep down in their inner souls, they knew what was going on, and they were just fighting against it. And it reminds me of a scripture a scripture theme that I've been coming across, which is that we are all born, we all come into this earth with the knowledge of good and evil. And that was the gift that we got from Adam and Eve. Like, they partook of the fruit so that they could have the knowledge of good and evil. And therefore, we are all born into this world with the knowledge of good and evil. And that is why people just can't shake their consciences. Consciousness. Consciousness? <laughs> Con- Consciences. Conscience. I knew there was an N in there somewhere. Consciences. They can't shake their consciences. They can't shake it. They just can't <laughs> shake it. They can't. Anyway, <laughs> they can't shake the feeling <laughs> that they know what they're doing is wrong, even though they tell themselves over and over again that they believe it's wrong. And I feel like that's why people who are were once members of the church and have left... I'm sorry, but I just keep thinking about... I have some conditions. <laughs> <laughs> One term. condition and one term. I have term. one condition and one term. Anyway, they can't shake the feeling that they're doing something wrong because we were born with this knowledge of good and evil. And no matter how much you try and tell yourself that you don't believe in something, if you actually do, it's going to eat at you. And so that's why people who leave the church can't leave it alone. Yeah. I don't know. That's just a thought I had. I it's thought that scripture a, was cool. It does seem like a lot of people are that way, but certainly not everybody. There are certain people that are able to leave it and, and leave it behind and live perfectly good lives afterwards and i guess i should look this up again but that was actually um in c.s lewis's book mere christianity which i loved and i would suggest everybody read it even you Cade, read it okay no seriously okay finish seven habits of highly effective people and then read mere christianity <laughs> finish it <laughs> at this pace i'll finish it in the year 2075 I'm all right not doing very well <laughs> Kate's New Year's goal really for 2076 so is reading Mere Christianity. <laughs> done. I, I will set that goal confidently. Okay. I can get it done by then. Are you going to be alive then? 2076? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'll, well, I guess I'll be I'll 80. be like 92. 86. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. No, I, no. I did the bad math. <laughs> I what? did the bad math. Usually I'm the one. Because I wasn't who... born in 96. <laughs> Wait. You've got me thrown off. You said 76? Yeah, I'll be 92. I was right the first time. You made me question myself. No. <laughs> I am the mathematician. Because I'm I'm 10 years older than what the last number is. And so if it's 76, I'll be 86. Am I doing the bad math? You're doing the bad math. <laughs> Wait, 76? Oh, I am doing the bad math. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be 88. Yep, you will. We'll still be alive by then. Hopefully. I am the mathematician no more. <laughs> Mrs. Glover, my third grade teacher who called me the mathematician and put my name on the board would be so disappointed right now. So I think that concludes our first ever podcast. And we are well aware that it was probably terrible and probably only three people will listen to it. The point of it isn't to get a lot of people to listen, I would assume. It's like you said, it's for posterity. It's for our own good. And if we help anyone along the way, that's great. But I doubt we do. But we'll try. No, we will. <laughs> so that's basically our uh, podcast origin story. More like your origin story. Take me home. And we hope it was uh, listenable. Is that a word? 
Well, I'm not confident enough to say enjoyable right now, so let's hope that it's at least listenable. Let's hope your ears aren't bleeding. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Jesus shows his face